coming to you from the Bates Cat House at the Good Shepherd Humane Society Adoption Center in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. This is the Good Shepherd Podcast. Welcome to the second episode of the Good Shepherd Humane Society Pet Podcast. I'm Cole Wakefield, Director of Animal Services for Good Shepherd. Later on in this episode, we're going to talk with Brandy Heron, our Animal Services Coordinator. Brandy wears many hats at Good Shepherd, including overseeing our foster program. We're going to talk with Brandy about that and her experiences at the Midwest Animal Sheltering Conference. But before that, there's something I'd like to share with you. Everyone in animal welfare seems to have a story about the one. The one animal that got you hooked. The one that changed your life forever. And today, I would like to talk about my one. I was working at a large, struggling, open intake animal shelter in the Arkansas River Valley. I took the job there, not out of any great love of animals, but because it paid the bills and they hired me. I was an animal care technician in the clinic. That meant my job was to clean cages and to feed and water sick animals. And let me tell you, this place was chaos. We had too many animals and not enough room for people. Every second of every day was busy. About a month after I started, a young puppy was brought in by animal control. I was asked to go out to the truck and carry them in because they didn't have the strength to stand. When I saw them, I understood why. In the back of the animal control truck was Bolt. Bolt was about four months old and skin and bones. He could barely lift his head. Bolt weighed about 20 pounds. He should have weighed in at at least 30. Now, I had seen a few rough cases prior to Bolt, but something in his eyes grabbed me. There was a frank discussion amongst the staff if euthanasia would have been the kindest option for Bolt, but I insisted that he deserved a fighting chance. I committed to taking on responsibility for his care and attempting to nurse him back to health. His chances were slim, but my heart kept telling me that he wanted to live. I gave fluid and forced nutrition into Bolt several times a day, and since we were already overloaded and Bolt required extra attention, I worked through my breaks and I came in on my days off. That first week, I could poke and prod and do whatever, and Bolt would barely move. Now, he would open his eyes and kind of watch, but that was about it. He would just stare, and every day, my heart would break. I felt everything in those moments. I felt hope and anger and frustration. I just knew that I just wanted this poor soul to survive. Week two was the week that we were going to reevaluate things. That was when we would have decided if maybe Bolts would have been better off if we could end his suffering. And coming into that week, it really didn't look good for him. But then something changed. One day, I went to administer fluids. And when I stuck in the needle, he bit me. Now, it was a weak bite, but it was the first time he had expressed any care about what was happening to him. Now, honestly, I've never been so happy to get bit in my life. The next day, when I approached his kennel, he stood up and he gave his tail a few wags. He didn't have the energy to stand for long, but it was progress. These signs of improvement took euthanasia off the table, and he continued to get better day by day. Soon enough, he was playing and acting like any normal puppy, and he eventually went on to be adopted. We had saved his life. It was the moment Bolt bit me that I knew I had finally discovered what I wanted to do with my life. And since then, I have committed myself to helping pets and the people who care for them. There is nothing else I'd rather do. And I thank Bolt for opening my eyes. 
Today we're going to talk with Brandy Heron, who is the Animal Services Coordinator here at Good Shepherd, and we're really excited to have her on and for her to tell us a few things. So let's jump in on it. Brandy, you've been with Good Shepherd for around a year now. Can you tell us a little bit about what brought you here? Quite honestly, I was looking for a low-key admin assistant job, and uh, your uh, Facebook job advertisement popped up on my feed at like 5.30 in the morning, and I just like straight away put in my application for it. And then the the rest, as they say, is it's history. Straight, that's right? right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, for one, am glad that you decided to go ahead and take the jump and apply for the job. I know I was impressed when I got your resume and more <laughs> impressed when I met you. So that was pretty cool. This is your first time working in the animal welfare field. Have you been surprised or is it how you expected it or is it completely different? I tend to come into new situations with zero expectations. It's a product of the last 20 years of moving from country to country, having no idea what's going to happen when I get there. It's I've been surprised at how much I actually really enjoy it and how quickly I've become passionate about, you know, getting dogs back to their owners or trying to push microchipping or getting, you know, animals into foster care and that sort of thing. And it's just been really a lot of fun. Well, awesome. We know a lot of people, It's it can be very stressful. So <laughs> we're glad to hear that it is fun for you and that you are enjoying it. And we know that, you know, whether somebody comes in in person or you're answering the phone, you're often the first point of contact for people at Good Shepherd. How important it is for you, is it for you that people feel welcomed and safe when coming here? Extremely important. I've heard from people that a lot of times if they go into a shelter that they don't feel like they're welcome or that uh, anyone is interested in actually helping them out or being heard. Or if somebody is surrendering an animal, they feel kind of judged. And I, I think it's really important for me to come off as somebody who is compassionate and understanding and is willing to help you out and find solutions rather than be a barrier to either pet ownership or, you know, finding a safe place for your pet to end up in. That's great. I think that is something that that is very important. And I know that I personally value, to me, it's very important that people come in and feel like they can use us as a resource and even lean on us when they need us. And I appreciate that you've been able to convey that feeling and people feel comfortable with you and what you present here. And they have told me so. And every time I hear that, uh, it just makes me happy. So thank you for (laughs) continuing that. You did recently attend with us the Midwestern Animal Sheltering Conference in Columbia, Missouri. And this was your first animal welfare conference. Mm -hmm. What was your impression of the conference and the people you met there? It was really, really helpful, actually. It was nice to get together with so many organizations in the region that are going through the exact same issues that we are, that are trying to accomplish, you know, exactly what we are and do the best for the animals in the community. You know, everybody seems very helpful. There are so many people who are willing to help each other out and collaborate and just to do the best for, you know, all of our dogs and cats. Yeah. Awesome. And and something I really enjoy about conferences, uh, so often, sometimes it can feel like we're on an island because each of us in animal welfare, like we're the, we're our organization and we're here. And then there's other one down the road and, and, you know, you don't get a lot of interaction, but when you get to go to these conferences and you meet other people, you're like, Oh, wow, I'm not an island. There's a whole community of support right. here. 
That's great. I'm glad that you got to experience that. You did, you did attend several workshops at the conference. What workshops did you attend and what are some of the things that you learned there? I did workshops such as Fostering 101, one on opening the adoptions process, marketing your foster programs and, you know, ideas for different events and that sort of thing. The, you know, one thing that, you know, I may be learning how to TikTok at some point because somebody mentioned that their numbers, their viewing numbers went up like astronomically after they did a TikTok. So I, I might do that or I might have one of the guys do that. I haven't decided yet. Let's see what else was that? Um, oh, fostering for behavior dogs was another one there. And so something I'll look into. Oh, cool. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Maybe you will be seeing Good Shepherd on TikTok. So that'll be fun. <laughs> What was the most surprising or unexpected thing that you learned? What I learned was that our practices under you are on par and in line with the best practices of, you know, what is put out there by the National Animal Welfare Organizations, like best friends and that sort of thing. I mean, we have a nice open adoption process. We try to take out as much as many barriers to adoption as we possibly can while still making sure we're placing dogs and cats in safe situations. And it was really nice to see that we're moving in the right direction that's in line with everybody else. Well, thank you. And I think, you know, conferences are a part of this and going to these trainings are a part of the philosophy that I find very important, which is not only adapting best practices and adopting best practices, but the continuous improvement and learning from it. Because we may find out that something that we decided to do this year that worked okay, there may be something completely different next year that works better using data and research and other people's experiences. And and these conferences and these meetings are how we learn about that. So, you know, thank you for your your support and kind words there. And I hope that we're able to continue to do that at Good Shepherd and be a leader, especially when it comes to rural animal services. So what... What was one thing that you took away from the conference that you said, I'm going to go and next week I'm going to start working to put this in action? Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff. One thing I will am going to start working on right away is trying to get our foster application online so that people can sign up for that program a lot easier and you know add a fostering page to our website. I've got a whole bunch of ideas for different events and promotions around, you know, fostering and encouraging more adoptions and stuff. I mean, hey, what do you think about cat yoga? Cat yoga. I'm, I'm <laughs> I mean, for it. They've got goat yoga, so why not cat yoga? Yeah. I can see those on the back of somebody while they're doing down dog. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cat yoga. So TikTok and kitty yoga <laughs> uh, are two things that are on the list. That's awesome. Both of those sound great. You did mention fostering, and that's kind of one of the things I've noticed was became a passion of yours early on when you started here, and you've kind of picked up the foster program and have taken the lead on implementing that and trying to get that promoted. Tell us a little bit about what fostering for Good Shepherd is like and what people can do with fosters. Okay. One thing I noticed over this past year is those dogs that had been here at the shelter for the longest were kind of going stir crazy. They're, you know, just kind of bouncing off their walls, and they were... You know, just well, those dogs that people kind of overlooked. But once you got them out of this situation, their personalities changed completely. And so I figured, hey, you know, let's try to encourage more fostering. 
And I was doing a Medi's University training program. And they were talking about day trip fosters and weekend fosters. So I started up the doggy field trip fostering and a program called the pajama program. And that's one where you can like, you know, come and get a dog, you know, at the beginning of the weekend, keep them for the weekend and then bring them back either Sunday or Monday or whenever. And then, you know, that gives the dog a little break from the shelter. And it also gives us a chance to find out what they're like in a home environment. And we get a lot more information that way that helps us adopt the dog out into our permanent home faster. Same thing with the doggy field trips. You know, how are they doing on lead? How are they doing when they encounter like kids or cats or other wildlife or that sort of thing? It also gives them exposure to uh, possible potential adopters and Yes, we love it when we have what we call the foster fail, which is yes. where somebody comes in to foster and they go, I can't adopt a dog. I just want to foster one. And we're like, okay, take them home. And the next yes, thing you know, we get a phone way. call that says, okay, we want uh-huh. to adopt. Yeah. I've been especially like happy with our fosters that have taken our mama cats with the litters. Mm-hmm. It seems like those have all thrived. All of those kittens that have been fostered through the whole nursing process seem to have really thrived and uh, survived the you know kitten season and have been adopted out usually by by the adopters or yeah, the fosters the families, themselves yeah. yeah so you can do all flavors of fostering with good shepherd whether it's a traditional fostering where you're going to take a, a maybe an animal that has a special need home until we can find them a place or you just want to foster for a couple hours or a weekend or if you want to take a litter of kittens home with their mom you can you can do any of it we'll work out a program just to help get these animals out and and to help um, get this fostering established so if somebody's interested in fostering or even volunteering in some way how do they get started They can come by any day, you know, between the hours of like 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. And we've got a volunteer and a foster application. You just fill that out. So we have your contact information. If you're there to volunteer, we can get you started. We can, you know, let us know what your passions are, what you're interested in. And we can talk with our animal technicians to see where their need is and where their help is. And maybe we can mesh the two. Yeah, as same thing with fostering. If you would like to see about fostering, come in and fill out the application and we'll talk to you about like your environment and what kind of dog you're looking for. Unfortunately, cats don't like change as much, so they're not as eligible for like the day trip or the, the weekend fostering, but then we would be interested in doing more, you know, long-term fosters with cats as well. So awesome. Well, if you guys have any questions about anything that we discussed here today, if you're interested in fostering or volunteering or just want to call Brandy and say hello, even though she's very busy, but if it's a friendly hello, she might not mind. She'll be at the front desk at the at Good Shepherd Humane Society Adoption Center where she keeps things moving. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day, Brandy, for talk to talk with us and look forward to talking with you and working with you more. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the second episode of the Good Shepherd Humane Society Pet Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our story about Bolt and my conversation with Brandy. We'd like to remind you that Good Shepherd is not a public agency. We do not receive taxpayer funding for the work that we do. We are a private 501c3. That means that we rely on the public for support to do the work that we do. You can make donations to Good Shepherd online at goodshepherdhumane.org 
or through our Facebook page. We'll also accept checks through the mail, which you can send to P.O. Box 285, Eureka Springs, Arkansas, 72632. We would like to thank you again for your support and for taking your time to listen to this podcast. Have a wonderful day.